0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: In a minute, we live. We live. We live. <laughs>
0: It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Subscribe anywhere you get them. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, you get the deal. Also follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. And our next guest is on Twitter at the Jackson Dylan. Dylan Jackson joining us today, part of Swarm and Sting. He's a site expert for Swarm and Sting. Also, the 11th Pick podcast you can catch out there as well. The 11th Pick podcast, awesome name because that's all the Hornets were used to for so long. Of course, until they got the third, drafted LaMelo, and now things are looking up. Dylan, thanks so much for hopping on with me, man. How are you? i'm doing great
1: doing great how about you
0: yeah man i'm doing well i appreciate you hopping on and i've been a fan of the account for a while it went insane when you dropped the plum dog millionaire music video that me and nada could not get enough of breaking down every single we were going zapruder film big time on the mason plumley rap video with the cash cannon that apparently he couldn't get enough of it was in every single scene Um, we're going to talk about that later. We'll get to the Cleveland Cavaliers stuff in just a second too. probably the more disappointing loss of the season with only three so far, five and three to start the year. So, uh, you know, good start, but still probably one of the more disappointing losses. Let's go ahead and get into some of the things that led to this loss because, you know, Dylan, you look at the first quarter for this team yesterday, they lost by 19 points. It was 40 to 21 coming out of the first. And then you look at what they've done all season long; they have not won a first quarter yet, and they've only t- and they've tied two of the first quarters that they didn't lose. And so it's not been good starts for them, and that's uh, caused a real problem for the Charlotte Hornets. Still, and what have you seen to uh, lead the Hornets down this road to uh, bad starts every time?
1: Yeah, you know, to me, it just kind of seems like they're going through the motions to start each and every game. And, you know, they'll, they'll run a few set plays, but it just they kind of ISO ball a lot, you know, early on, especially Gordon Hayward, as well is somebody that really needs to get it together in the first half, especially like he has had some games where he will put up like eggs in the first quarter and uh, first half in general, but uh, he'll, he'll bring it together in the second half. And he really just needs to get going earlier. And he needs to be somebody that the Hornets can go to early on to sort of establish a half-court offense.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you look at you look at what happened last night. I just thought defensively, like, I understand that they don't have size. I understand Cleveland is a little bit of a different monster because they have three good players at seven feet. You know, I mean, at least Jared Allen and Evan Mobley has been awesome in his uh, little bit of NBA experience so far. But Jared Allen was just a little boy and dude's. I mean, he had four dunks in the first quarter, I think, and then ended up having five just midway through the second. And look, if you're going to be that small, I thought Mason was late getting back in transition. I thought, and, and if you're smaller, you can't be late in general. You're, you certainly can't be late and not get position if you're such a smaller team. I thought PJ also, who I, I like his defense, but also needs to recognize Mobley running free in transition. Mobley gets there for a lob in the first. I thought Gordon just wasn't paying attention to Allen on the lob that he got. I, I think there were just times where the Hornets were inattentive down low and they weren't being able to, to put a body on some of the bigger guys. And I think that's something that really hurt them in the first quarter.
1: Yeah, I mean they they're just they're they're so small in comparison to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Am I, I being too Evan hard only, on
0: them, Dylan? Is that, that's okay if you want to say I'm being
1: too hard? I just felt like even with their size, you still think that's just a little hard to overcome sometimes. I think that in the first Cleveland Cavaliers game, like the first one 12 days ago or whatever, they that was such an outlier of a game, in my opinion. Like the Hornets out rebounded the Cavs in that game by like double digits, which right. is just insanity. So I think that Evan Mobley at small forward, just like that, that's such a killer matchup that, you know, Gordon Hayward is not really going to be able to defend that. Neither is Miles Bridges. So I don't know. It's just a really tough matchup for the Hornets. So I'm not sure whether I can totally blame them. Like we went to Nick Richards in the first quarter. Like that yeah. was, that was the level of desperation that we had with Jared <laughs> Allen. And uh, it, it just was not a good experience at all.
0: Can, can you remember, uh, I mean, Like I'm sure there there have been Hornets killers. We we've become accustomed to this as Hornets fans. Like we've got the TJ Warrens, the Tobias Harris's. Like we know Terrence Ross can get them. And you know, they've always struggled with bigs. I just don't remember somebody being, oh my god, like what Jarrett Allen was doing, slamming it. The one-handed reverse dunk. That he did again. I mean, I can't remember somebody being that dominant in in such a short span of time in in quite a while. Maybe it's just early in the season, but I Jared just was destroying the Charlotte. Well, I think uh,
1: Sabonis in the first game. Oh
0: well, okay, yeah, maybe the first game of the season. You're right. Like you're right. Sabonis was destroying them. That was you know some threes. They just left Sabonis wide open out there on the perimeter. Yeah, um, I didn't
1: think he was supposed to be able to hit those, but I guess he can now. So,
0: hey, Borrego didn't think so either. Apparently, um, you mentioned Miles Bridges. Man, here's something: I, Miles has been awesome. Okay, we've been singing his praises all year long because he's been playing like a legitimate all-star leader in the clubhouse for MIP. Even after not going out, you know, for a ton of points last night, maybe the last couple of outings. But the, the Miles Bridges off-ball defense thing—that—that's I still think a problem, Dylan. Like I even think. You know, you saw some of those times, one of the Jared Allen dunks, you know, you just saw him not paying attention baseline and, you know, not cutting it off. And then eventually it's a swing pass. Miles realizes, oh, bleep, I need to get back all the way to the corner, or at least cut this off. And it's too late at that point. Uh, look, I think Miles has been phenomenal, right? Like, you know, we're, we're nitpicking here, but I do think off ball defense has been a problem for him at times. What do you think about miles in that aspect of his game?
1: Yeah. I mean, he gets lost at certain points. But, I mean, I can't really complain too much when he's giving you the offensive production that he has in addition to some of the on-ball defense as well. But, yeah, I mean, especially on on switches as well, he's – really uh, getting caught up in some stuff that he really shouldn't be. I know like, you know, w- when he's playing on the perimeter as much as he is, he's not really like that much of a perimeter player, even though he has sort of become that on offense. But like this guy legitimately played center in college sometimes. So I, I can't really complain too much, though, because he's just been so, so good. Also, Miles Bridges, I, I want to talk about his passing a little bit. Yeah, because he had eight assists last night that doesn't get talked about. Like that would have been his career high had he not set his career high like two days ago.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. And and look, Miles has been a a crazy overall positive. It's frustrating to see him get lost on off-ball defense at times, which really does hurt this team. But you're right, man. It it is crazy to see how that passing ability and his ability to take guys off of the dribble more so as his career has gone on. It's really made a huge impact and it's allowed him to play like this step up. Dylan, is this... You know, for me, like, I think this is the single biggest development for this team, you know, at at least from a swing point, because it's always going to be important for LaMelo to expand his game, get better, right? Take that next step up. If you're going to be a potential, if you're a potential superstar, it's important to erase the potential and just become one, right? Like he's doing that in front of our eyes. You know, you can see some of these other guys get better. Ish Smith has been awesome. But to me, just the thing that changes the type of ceiling that this team can reach this year, it's. It's To me, it's what Miles has given you. That's the kind of thing that gives you the most hope, in my opinion. Is there something else you look to, or do you think, no, you're right, it probably is Miles
1: the way he's playing? Yeah, I mean, all of the other like development from the Hornets players has sort of been expected. The Miles Bridges leap, I don't think anyone has really forecasted that he would have been most improved player. Like, we had somebody at Swarm and Sting say that he was going to win most improved player, but I took that – as somebody being a homer, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's the one that you clown like, all right, dude, seriously, like we're swarm and sting, but
1: can you please show at least a little bit of something other than bias? Yeah, I get you. I mean, it's crazy though. Yeah. I mean, the, the passing has really sort of unlocked his game. You know, you can see him attack off of closeouts and him look for other people as well. In addition Mm -hmm. to having an insane layup package, but miles bridges has just been like, he's, he's played uh, at a level where, like, I can't say for certain that LaMelo Ball is the franchise player. Like, Miles Bridges may very well could become that player. And it's, it's a
0: nice problem to have, at least for that not to be outlandish. You know, like, right. it's, it's at least nice to say, yeah, we've got LaMelo, where at most everybody would say he's the franchise guy. And then, like, well, at least it requires some thought to look at Miles and say, hey, maybe he can be that guy going forward, at least along with one LaMelo Ball. Plenty more with Dylan coming up. He'll be on with me the next two segments that I had in an interview with him earlier. So I know the audio sounds a little different this time going through different channels, but this is just what we have. We are going to give you more. Dylan Jackson going forward, but not before I talk to you about Prize Picks. They have the best NBA daily fantasy sports prop game on the market, and Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, too. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out on PrizePicks.com and use promo code NBA, or go to your app store and download the app today. That's Prize Picks. It's a daily fantasy sports app made easy. Let's take a quick break. More Dylan Jackson coming up on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. Nada, you asked me about why I don't have the sneakers app, and asked if it's that I'm too good to have the sneakers app, and no. Here's the thing, (laughs) you guys are addicted to this drug that brings more pain than it brings joy. And I, that that feeling that you guys get when you are able to attain a pair of sneakers, it keeps bringing you in. And I don't want to be addicted to that drug. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're going to get to more about the Mason Plumlee rap video in just a second. Also talk about the center spot, but not before I talk to you about Shopify. In case you didn't know, Shopify is a complete commerce platform that lets you start, grow, and manage a business. The subscription-based software allows anyone to set up at an online store and sell their products. Shopify store owners can also sell in physical locations using Shopify POS, our point-of-sale app, and accompanying hardware. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business so upstart startups and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online, and in-person sales and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility and Shopify helps you make your entrepreneurial dreams come true. Go to shopify.com/lockdown nba, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com/lockdown nba right now. Shopify.com slash Let's hop in with more Dylan Jackson coming up right now on the lockdown Hornets podcast. All right. I mentioned, Dylan, how impressed I was and how much I loved the Mason Plumlee rap video. It went viral. That was awesome to see. And it's hilarious because at Media Day, we brought this up. Media Day, Mason, he acknowledged that he had a rap video out there and was kind of smiling about it and said, you know, we yeah as soon as i put that out there i got traded like two or three days later and now we see it that it was released tell me the process of you coming across that just looking for it finding it giving it to the people and giving that present to all of us that of course wanted to see it
1: yeah so i mean i i can't take complete credit for this um i just kind of like woke up one day right mm-hmm. and i was i was scrolling through twitter i got a dm from one of the swarm and Sneak contributors he's like you know, uh, it, it was Filippo Baresi, right? Oh, okay. He, he texted me. He said, "You know Mason Plumley is a rapper, right?" And I was like, "Okay, hang on, right?" Like I thought it was one of those like fake <laughs> Wojo bots. Like I thought I'd been got, right? So I didn't even open the DM. I just went straight to YouTube and I looked up the words Mason Plumley rapper and this video with like this Rangers fan comes up from like <laughs> Complex. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's yeah, it's the like, Rangers it's this fan dude. is
0: what we were trying to figure out. Like, who why is this guy all around Mason? Well, what's going on? I I think we found out that we I think somebody tweeted at us that they did find out who that guy was. But, anyways, yeah, I, I thought that was hilarious too.
1: Yeah, it was like it was just some random Rangers fan. I think what it was is he like had a viral like news clip or something. So he was like trying trying his best to capitalize off of that. And mm-hmm. apparently that was to make a rap video with Mason Plumley. So, I don't know, but I, I I found the video, tweeted it out, and uh, I, I just kept looking. And then I found the video where Mason Plumley was like trying to rap battle Shaq. So it, it was just which was also
0: of- yeah, which was also interesting. And look, I, I've said this a few times on the pod, right? We can clown Shaq, but Shaq wasn't bad, and "Can't Stop the Rain" is still an awesome song. Because one, having Biggie in there is going to help you, but also Shaq's not bad. Mason, Mason, like it wasn't great. It's not like the worst thing I've ever heard in my life, but it wasn't great. I will ask you this though. Who's better between Mason and Terry? We're not going to ask Miles. We're not going to do him the disservice of asking and putting Miles in this category.
1: Mason might be better than Terry though, Dylan. I, I saw the the Terry clip tweeted with with Miles in that ESPN video, and it was not good. So I, I think I do have to go with Mason there. Ah,
0: sorry, I know that hurts. That's gotta hurt, Terry. It's, I apologize. It's tough, it is what it is. That's what it is. We can only call it like we see it. Um, I will say that Terry Rogier is a better basketball player though than, than Mason Plumley, and Terry coming back, <laughs> not the greatest. You know, not the greatest shot selection at the very end of last night's game, in my opinion. You know, before we get into Mason, let's break that down first, Ellen, just the the way that the Hornets, they came back, right? LaMelo ball hits the huge three. There's a minute left. It's a three-point game, 109-106 is what LaMelo hits. And then we see Terry take a shot with 15 seconds on the shot clock, airballed three-pointer. And then we see him pass up the freebie going to the baseline Terry shoots that misses it bounces around LaMelo finally puts up a two but at that point it's too late I think 2.7 to be exact is what is what is left after LaMelo is able to hit it what did you make of that entire sequence and specifically Terry's part in it
1: yeah I you know Terry's just trying to do too much honestly uh he you know last year the Hornets really went to him, like in the fourth quarter, especially. Yeah, there was that one Golden State game where he scored like 15 points in the last however many minutes. But Terry Rozier, he'll be fine. You know, I'm not too concerned about it. it it's his. I'm considering this his first game back because that Cavs game was just a disaster. That the first Cavs game. But you know, I'm not. I'm not too concerned about his shot selection. I think that he will eventually get going and he will become that player in the fourth quarter that the Hornets need him to be and extended him to be. So hopefully.
0: Yeah, and you know what? It's been LaMelo who's been really good in crunch time spots for them where he's been able to hit a couple of shots that have allowed them to, to kind of stay in the game. You saw LaMelo hit that three um, to put it within a, a three-point contest, and I think LaMelo's made some decent decisions. There have there been some problems here and there with his growth as well. But um, but yeah, Terry, I, I, think, I think Terry, like the thing you do worry about with him is – the guy's been such an unbelievable clutch time scorer the last two years for Charlotte. It's been two seasons where he's been really good at that. Is there just one, something that's not really a fault of his own with the math catching up to him, or is it really Terry just making, just not having the right decisions? You know, I, I do think those were poor decisions, right? Like that, that's the thing here. It's the fact that, okay, if you took a shot that was wide open that were good looks then I wouldn't really care. But it's the decision-making that Terry had that I had a real problem with. But I agree. Like, ultimately, I think uh, he's going to be able to get over that, and, and we'll get back to um, being a,
1: a fourth-quarter contributor.
0: Let's go to Mason Plumley. Let's talk about the center spot a little bit. Dylan, what have you seen from the new starting center here in Charlotte?
1: Well, first of all, fans hate this guy, right? Like, mm-hmm. he isn't going to be the long-term guy. I think everybody knows that. The Hornets were also given a pick to take him in. And I don't think people realize that. Like, he's he's the starting center. But the Hornets were, like, paid to bring him in. And, you know, considering the price point of his contract, I mean, you would hope that he could start for you, but it's just not going to be the case. He's just not that guy. And uh, I, I do think that he's an upgrade in terms of what we had last year with Cody Zell and Bismack Biambo, if not for ability, but availability. And he, he's a solid rebounder, is pretty good passer for his size. And he's a much better rim threat than either of Cody or Bismack was. But the interior defense is not good. Like, it's just not there. I think that P.J. Washington's pretty clearly a better rim and interior defender than Mason Plumlee is. But it's just, you know, you have to manage your expectations with him. I, it's whatever. His free throws are not good, though. Like, he (laughs) lags in his shot there.
0: Oh, no, it's it's awful. And you mentioned the interior defense. You mentioned P.J. Washington being a better answer. And we – You know, if you go back to that move on draft night where you're right, they get essentially JT Thor is the selection that they use that pick. And I like JT Thor. That was a guy that people thought maybe would ascend all the way into the first round. It was JT Thor, right? That was the selection. I believe they used. So, you know, people thought that that would be an ascension maybe into the first round, but he's an early second round pick. Love the ability. I think the second youngest player in the draft, if I'm not mistaken. And so, you know, I, I like having that. And I I think I tweeted it out on draft night. Like, look, this is a fine move. I'm 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 cool with Mason coming in. And then the rest of the offseason unfolds, and it's oh, this is this is the move they make at center, who's going to get a lot of playing time. And honestly, Dylan, more than I thought. You know, he's he's getting more than any one center did last year. He's averaging 30 minutes a game, essentially. Um, especially, you know, or in the early going when they were playing, and PJ Washington was sitting out. And so P.J. coming back in, that certainly helps take some of that off of his plate. But man, they, they've they really been leaning on Mason, and that's because they didn't make any other moves. Do you have a problem with the way the Hornets operated this offseason at center, or are you still okay with, hey, you get the free pick, Mason's not the long-term answer, you'll have to lean on P.J. heavily, Vernon, Nick Richards, Kai Jones ain't really ready to see significant time, and you know what? It's just something that I'm cool with dealing with.
1: You know, I, I liked the Mason Plumlee move when it happened because, you know, you're, you're moving up a pick and I don't really view Mason Plumlee as something of a negative asset. I, I think for his contract, he's he's fine. His production is whatever. I I just wish that move could have been made uh, after free agency. I mean, it's just, it's impossible with the way that the NBA works, how mm-hmm. the draft is before, which I'm okay with. I think that the draft being before free agency is a good thing. But, you know, after Devontae Graham Signed with the Pelicans essentially, and, and the Hornets got probably two second round picks. I was, I thought 100% they were going to sign Rashawn Holmes. Like that move happened yeah. and they were announced as rights. And I thought Rashawn Holmes signing with Charlotte was like a done deal. Then that didn't happen because like an hour later, he signed with Kings again. So after that, I was, I mean, Kelly Oubre though, I, I, can't really complain because he's, he's been pretty, pretty good. And I think I would rather have his abilities than say a slightly below average starting center.
0: Dylan hanging around for just one more segment, and we'll talk about James Booknight, whether it's a problem he's not playing, Cody Martin's development, the backcourt, and some of the offseason moves that the Hornets made, and how that's kind of looking right now. We'll get to that in the last segment of today's podcast. But I do want to mention Bet Online before we go to the final segment. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season, and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new website update a desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use the promo code locked on to receive your bonus bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts more dylan coming up one more segment on the lockdown hornets podcast this is locked on hornets we said it monday they lost to the Pips. They didn't lose to Gladys Knight. They lost to the right. Pips. They lost to the backup band. They lost to Steve. Now, granted, depending on the backup band, that this is still impressive backup band. If it's like Stevie Wonder's backup band, then yeah, it's awesome. But if it's I like say. The Kings, <laughs> of, Kings of Leon backup band, totally different. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. So Dylan, let's go back to draft night where they make the Mason Plumley move. And they also have what is widely celebrated as a great night, right? Not only do you get the pick, you get Mason Plumley as what we thought was a backup center at the time. He would eventually become a starter, but the real moves talked about. It was drafting James Book Knight, who I think most people thought would go ahead of where he was drafted. And then Kai Jones falls all the way to where New York is selecting. The Hornets find a way to trade, get back into the first round and they draft Kai Jones, a player that they worked out a couple of times and pretty transparently so had a lot of interest in. There was just so much that made sense about their interest. One, working him out multiple times. Two, an, an obvious need for center with this team, especially with the way it seemed like Cody was going to walk out. Um, but we, we knew Kai Jones probably wouldn't get a, get a lot of time. I mean, crazy exciting, but just he just ain't ready right now, and that's okay. But James Booknight, the development for me, and I've mentioned this a million times, right? Like I thought Booknight might have a hard time seeing the floor early on. Then he played pretty well in the preseason and summer league, showed his passing ability a little more than that was showcased with UConn, probably because of the personnel that was on the roster. Um, and then I thought, OK, just devonte has gone. Malik's gone. Offensively, Booknight is going to give you more than what Cody Martin is based on, you know, what he's given us the last couple of years. And then I, I kind of got swayed by that. I was like, all right, you know what? Maybe Book Knight is going to have to come in and contribute right away, which was always going to be a little scary to deal with, but they're not having to deal with it, Dylan. You know, Book Knight is not playing at all. Cody Martin, Ish Smith, they're running the backcourt backup minutes, and Ish has been great. And Cody Martin's been improved. It, offensively, he's been improved. A couple of really nice drives and passes to PJ Washington for a couple of dunks last night against Cleveland. I, I think, you know, Cody Martin bringing the defensive intensity at least, but also offensively being that much improved. Uh, that's been pretty interesting development on the season. What have you made of that whole backcourt rotation that James has given us?
1: Yeah. If you don't have to use rookies, you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like, plain and simple. I think that James Booknight not getting minutes while well, it's, you know, disappointing. You always want to see. Your rookies play at least a little bit but cody martin has just been that good you know he his off ball movement in particular offensively has been stellar and i think that's the biggest improvement in his game is just how he's able to cut and just get so open off of that and that generates you know open threes for him as well which he's been hitting at a pretty decent clip i think he's averaging like 10 points and five rebounds or so per game but he's he's been really really good And Ishmith, as well, first four or five games of the year, we were talking about him as like a six-man-of-the-year candidate, which probably isn't sustainable for somebody that's been like a 12-team journeyman. But (laughs) at the same time, if you're going to get that production in replacement of Devontae Graham, that's that's pretty good. I I didn't like
0: the Devontae and Malik going out. I like getting the first-round pick, and then I saw the protection, and it's a little bit more scary. But still, if you're telling me – Ish Smith can give you this kind of production at that salary compared to Devante at that salary. All right, fine. You know, I'll be in on that. I just thought Devontae was going to be such such a better offensive option with his shooting from the perimeter. I always thought Devonte was a good passer. But Ish Smith living in the paint, right? Just being able to, you know, dice the defense up extremely well. And what you mentioned, Cody's cuts, the baseline cuts have been excellent. And it's been those backcourt mates working with each other on a lot of those, you know, with Ish Smith getting into the paint, Cody Martin cutting baseline ish hitting them. No look passes, just nicely uh, placed bounce passes to him. And Kelly Oubre has been the beneficiary of of that maybe once or twice as well. I think that's what's been so good. And and book night you know, that's fine. Like I, for me, I, I don't mind not seeing book Knight, you know, like I'm cool with that too. I, I thought we might see him because I thought offensively he'd be able to bring something that nobody else could, but you are getting offensive production. And if that's the case, let book Knight cook on the bench and then he'll be ready, you know, next year, hopefully, you know, he'll be ready next year. I, I'm fine with that. So I don't have any problems with it. What is your belief in book Knight being a contributor with this Charlotte Hornets team down the line?
1: You know they drafted him, and I'm like, okay, this is their their shot. Like they're they're taking a chance on this player who hopefully becomes a starting backcourt member, right? And they did that. They invested in Terry Rozier, and they obviously have Lonzo or not Lonzo Lamelo Ball. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I thought it was just kind of like a, a sort of boomer bust pick where maybe they're doing this in an attempt to find like a long term second option. But Bridges like has become so so good. And PJ Washington's improved, and Terry Rozier obviously got that extension. So maybe I guess this is just another project player that they're looking to develop. I, I really don't know, uh, but James Booknight I think was a really really good pick at the time, and he, he still is. It's just they don't really need him right now, and that's that's a good thing. And the same thing can be said about Kai Jones, who looks really really rough when he is on the floor in his uh, two minutes, but you know he. <laughs> Do you remember the uh, Bruno Caboclo like call at the draft like the, the yes. two years away? Absolutely. Uh, yes. That is probably what Kai Jones is for us.
0: Yeah. I mean, Kai. it's going to be a while. And I think what's what might get frustrating is I think I think most people are OK with Kai, you know, being somebody that needs to sit for a little while. I wonder if the second year when he doesn't contribute either. Like, I wonder if that's going to be something where Hornets fans are start to get annoyed, you know, because what we, we fans can't deal with too much patience. You know, like we we've only got a little bit of patience that fans are able to deal with. But I think you're right. Like he probably is two years away from actually being a real solid contributor. What do you think about the other players that are trying to develop at the five, Dylan? You know, I, I think I, I think I've seen you're not very big on Vernon Carey uh what what is uh what's the difference for you between a Vernon Carey and a Nick Richards and whether they can you know be anything for this Hornets team down the line
1: I would be very very surprised if either were rotation level players at any point in their career just being 100% honest I'm just not high on either of them neither really bring a skill set that's like unique to what the position offers like neither can shoot neither are going to be elite rim protectors Vernon Carey is interesting because he can score a little bit from the mid-range, but in terms of three-point shooting, it's just not going to be there, or at least not going to be there in volume to where you have to defend it, and Nick Richards is mobile, I guess. I would bet more <laughs> so on him than I would Vernon Carey, but uh Carey in particular is just, I, I'm, not, I'm not. That's okay. not your guy.
0: Hey, that's okay. You That's no. fine. No, oh. Vernon's not your guy. Yeah, and for me, like I I'd probably be surprised, too, if any of them were worth anything. I've always been intrigued by Kerry more so than Richards, and it's all offensive-based. I, I, think, I think he is a, a, you know, a, a decent enough playmaker when you get the ball in his hands enough there, but it's not a, a, as far as scoring, right? As far as just you know him trying to you know, give you some low-post moves offensively, can't hit in the mid-range. Like, There's just something enticing enough about that, but we're probably arguing or not arguing or even talking about two guys that aren't going to be there long-term for the Charlotte Hornets team. And so we'll see if that can change down the line. All right, let's talk about the City Edition uniforms too. I talked about this with Rod yesterday. Rod Boone liked them. Where are you at with the City Edition uniforms, the honeycomb, the pinstripes? A lot going on. It's very loud. We do know that. What do you think about the edition, uh, The City Editions?
1: It's a lot. It's a lot for sure. <laughs> I think that it looks so much better when you like look at the jerseys with the shorts like beneath them too, like tucked in, untucked, not good, not good at all. Right. But, uh, tucked in it. Like you can send kind of see the, the gradient, like fill back in towards the bottom of the shorts. And I think that's okay. Like the, the retro logo on the side of the shorts as well is cool. But the Jersey alone is um, I wouldn't buy it for what it's worth.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think the shorts, I think the shorts work by themselves. I think the uniform together works. And, and a lot of these jerseys though, that are revealed it, they only show the actual Jersey and it doesn't show the actual uniform in general. And I think once people see the full body layout, they're like, all right, I can come around to it. But I said this to Rod too, man, like I want teams to go flat out crazy with their city edition uniforms. I want them to be loud. I want them to shoot for the stars. I don't want them to be crazy boring. I you know don't give me just hey we put a different color as the background, made it all solid and that's what we decided to roll with. And so if the Hornets miss, I'm not even sure they really did, but if the Hornets missed, I'd rather them shoot for the stars on this kind of stuff, man. Like don't don't show me some kind of lazy, hey, let's not go too crazy where it's fine. So I I'm actually cool with if 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 it indeed is not the best uniform in the world, like I'm okay with the effort that they put in at least.
1: Yeah, at the very least, they have the regular white and blue jerseys, mm-hmm. which those are some of the best in the NBA. So yeah, we're going to see the City Edition for like, what, four or five games this year. So it's not that big a deal.
0: Yeah, I think the first time we're going to do the Hive 75 nights, I think November 12th is the first time the Hornets are going to reveal at the court, too. The Charlotte Hornets classic court, the honeycomb there as well. So that's going to be fun. Um, This was fun. Dylan, thanks so much for hopping on with me, man. Definitely want to have you on again soon. Always been a fan of your work. Also follow him on Twitter at the Jackson Dylan Swarm and Sting, a site expert, as well as the 11th pick podcast that'll put out there. So Dylan putting up some good coverage of the Charlotte Hornets. Really appreciate the time, man. This was a lot of fun. Appreciate you having me. The Dylan Jackson episode in the books. Great stuff. Appreciate his time with us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Tomorrow, we got two guests. We're going to welcome Wes Bryant, Charlotte Hornets insider, Bally Sports. You see him on the Charlotte Hornets home game broadcast now. So great to see Wes in the new gig. And we're also going to welcome Paul Biancardi of ESPN, one of the best high school prospect evaluators out there. Been doing it for a long time. Also just one of the most genuine good dudes in the business can't wait to have both of those guys on tomorrow so stick around for lockdown hornets the rest of this week we'll have plenty of guests coming forward tomorrow it'll be west bryant and paul B Cardi. that'll do it for this episode of lockdown hornets thanks to you guys as always for supporting the show tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of lockdown nba hollinger and duncan really any show in the lockdown podcast network have a great rest of your day and we'll be back with you tomorrow